All right, we're going to be talking about diabetes mellitus. Diabetes mellitus, metabolic disorder categorized by high blood glucose levels due to insufficient or ineffective insulin function. So let's read that again. We have diabetes. It's going to be a metabolic disorder. Remember the metabolic Mellitus, metabolic, characterized by high blood glucose levels due to the insufficient or ineffective insulin function. So the insulin function is insufficient or ineffective. So their production of insulin by the pancreas or the body cells that do not respond to insulin. So this leads to a deficiency. There's a deficiency in insulin where the pancreas is not producing enough insulin or the uh, use from the cells are not being effectively uh, utilized. So with the elevated glucose levels in blood and cells, this leads to tissue damage. So you see tissue damage in diabetes because of the elevated glucose levels in the blood and the cells. So with uh, the most distinguishing feature of diabetes in the diagnosis, we have the uh, plasma glucose levels, so your A1C chart. So your normal plasma glucose levels Normal is between 70 and 125 milligrams per DL, and that's before a meal. So I know this. Normal plasma glucose levels before a meal is between 70 and 125. After a meal, it goes up to... 80 mil 180 milligrams per dl or less so before a meal 70 to 125 after a meal 180 or less now we've got two different types of diabetes mellitus type 1 is uh Insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus, so IDDM, IDDM, insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus, or uh, as uh, some places say, T1 diabetes mellitus, or T1DM, type 1 diabetes mellitus. So you see it either way, IDDM or T1DM, no both. They're both insulin dependent. So this means that they need insulin because the islets of the Langerhans cells in the pancreas cannot synthesize insulin. So the pancreas is not creating insulin. This is why they are insulin dependent because they depend on insulin because they can't depend on the pancreas. So they depend on that drug that they're going to get called insulin. We'll get into that in a little bit. 
So this is the least common type. It uh, involves the minority of the diabetes cases. You're going to see about 5 to 10 percent. And usually they occur in children or young adults. Uh, one set of notes says below 30, and another set of notes says between 10 and 14. I'm going to go with the 10 and 14. Uh, that's type 1 diabetes. So pre Preteen to teen. And often the onset of this is associated with a viral infection or genetics. So it's a genetic disorder from your grandma, your ma, your pa, your grandpa, any one of those people. They can give you type 1 diabetes real quick. And your eyelids of the Langer hands going to be all messed up because they're going to be like, nope, pancreas, I ain't going to be making insulin today. Nope, not today, y'all. Not today because I have type 1 diabetes. Now, the uh, medication for this is a little specific. And we're going to pause real quick to find it. All right, so the insulin's... The, the diabetes type 1 patients have to take is uh, usually administered by subcutaneous injection. So it's that little pinprick uh, somewhere underneath the skin. And the size, the molecular size prevents it from being absorbed from the GI tract. I'm not sure how important that is to know, but... It is the only treatment for type 1 diabetes mellitus. And it makes sense because diabetes mellitus, type 1, IDDM, is insulin dependent. So they're going to depend on insulin to survive. If they don't have insulin, they could die. And we don't want that. But they don't have anything else because they don't really need anything else. It's just the insulin. Um... They can prepare it by a recombinant DNA synthesis, which produces human insulin by gene splicing carried out by the uh, E. coli, Escherichia uh, coli. I'm not sure if that's the same as the E. coli from the vegetables everybody's getting, but I'm not sure how much we need to know that either. I do know that it was pretty interesting to learn that modifying porcine insulin, which is pig insulin, is another way to get insulin for humans. Uh, that is because pig insulin only has two amino acids different from human. Pigs are, pig's DNA is very similar to humans. And you make the insulin through the DNA, and so this is uh, converted through, the amino acids in the pigs uh, are converted through what's called transpeptidation until it matches the human. And that's just two amino acids away from the human. So, pretty interesting. And positive in. Alright, so moving on to type 2 diabetes mellitus. This is going to be your IDDM, 
excuse me, NIDDM. IDDM is insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus. NIDDM is non-insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus. That's type 2. So we have also T2DM, type 2 diabetes mellitus, or NIDDM. This is going to be your most common type. Most time, you see type 2 in like 90, 95% of the time. That's why type 1 is 5 to 10% of the time. Type 2 is 90 to 95% of the time. Do the math, it adds up to 100%. I did it before this. It checks out. The onset occurs primarily in adults, usually over 40. So where type 1 is in children, usually between the ages of 10 and 14, type 2 is going to be in patients over 40. Now, this is associated with obesity. That's going to be your main primary, primary cause. So, lately, these days, there's lots of obese children going to McDonald's and all that fast food crap. They are getting diabetes early. Top two. So, generally it's over 40. Associated with obesity. So, if you got obesity, obese baby, that baby gonna be having top two diabetes. I, right quick, I check it. And the results from insufficient or improper use of insulin can cause diabetes. Type 2. Um, so the pancreas is not sufficiently producing the insulin or it's uh, not being able to be recognized by the cells. So there's something going on there. And more specifically, uh, it tends to be, the pancreas tends to be overworked. So it works harder to prevent or to, to, the pancreas works harder to create the insulin, and therefore insulin tends, insulin resistance tends to develop, and that, yeah, something like that. I'm trying to go basic on this one, that's gonna screw me up. Hard when my notes aren't organized. So you can uh, help type two diabetes by um, increasing the exercise. Uh, we'll go into a little bit more like that later, uh, but we do have some weight loss that can occur, and you can have an increased appetite. So. The signs and symptoms that we're going to go into, you can have the the three P's we've got, and this is just general diabetes, type 1 or type 2. We can have the uh, polydipsia, polyuria, and polyphagia. So polydipsia, I think of dipsy tipsy. You're going to be tipsy, and you're going to dipsy all over the place when you drink a lot. So that's good. Polydipsia is going to be increased thirst. And a polyuria, urea urine, increased urination. 
and then polyphagia, phagia food. So we're going to have increased appetite, increased eating, increased food intake, polyphagia. So polydipsia, increased thirst, polyuria, increased urination, polyphagia, increased appetite. And then we got the uh, hyperglycemia. And that one, you know, we'll get into that. It's real complicated, but basically, it's an abnormally high blood glucose concentration. We also have the acetone breath. You're going to have that fruity, fruity breath. So when your diabetic patient is in the chair, or your pre-diabetic patient is in the chair, and you're like, man, your breath smells like fruit. And they're like, oh, I haven't eaten any fruit today. You'll be like, hmm, maybe we should check your A1C levels. And if it's normal, it's going to be between 70 and 125 milligrams per DL. And if it's pre-diabetes, if you think you did a guessing right, it's going to be the A1C level around 5.7 to 6.4%. Now, if they are 6.5% or above, they ain't going to be having diabetes right there. 6 0.5 or above. And then the last symptom of diabetes, we have the ketonemia or the ketonuria. And both those, the ketonemia means that there's ketones in the blood. Ketonuria means what? Urea, urine. Ketones in the urine. Ketonemia. Ketonuria. Blood and urine. Now, chronically, they can have lots of complications. What you're going to see in the dental chair is an increased risk for periodontal disease and infections. So, they are actually three times more likely to get periodontal disease. Diabetes, they are. Especially if they're uncontrolled. And they also can have uh, poor circulation. So they have a thickening of the blood vessels. And that's going to cause the blood to slow down. So that's also going to cause less circulation to the gum tissues and that's going to increase your xerostomia going to have decreased salivary flow causes xerostomia which in turn is going to increase the amount of caries decay going to have decay with that xerostomia and then you can also have loss of sight because those blood vessels aren't getting to the retinas as quickly as normal. So you're going to have the diabetes being the number one cause of blindness. And you can also have some kidney function uh, loss, loss of kidney function. And then you get your heart disease, cardiovascular. Uh, your heart's pumping that blood that's so thick, not necessarily the blood is thick, it's the blood vessels blood vessels are thick so they're pumping just about the same amount of blood as everybody else 
It's just going so slow because those linings on the blood vessels, they're so thick. It's just going slow. So they're not getting, the heart is not getting as much blood as it needs to be to pump out as much blood as it is pumping out. So it's actually a heart disease is more frequent cause of diabetes related to death. Um, the number one cause of death in diabetes patients is a heart attack. The heart is just working so hard, you you will get that uh, heart attack going, and, and it'll kill you. And, you know, with specific medications for diabetes and, and how it relates to the heart, you really want to be cautious with your epinephrine. Epinephrine, use caution. And you also want to be cautious with your glucocorticoids, because that's the glucose and the corticoids, kind of like steroids. You know, they're going to affect the heart and diabetes. And then your opioid analgesics. That's going to be activating the uh, parasymp uh, excuse me, the sympathetic nervous system. So that's going to be... Uh, more difficult to control diabetes with those kind of medications. It's going to tell the pancreas to either decrease the insulin release or increase the insulin requirements. So they're either going to need more insulin that they can't produce because they have diabetes or they're going to say, we don't need insulin, don't make any insulin. And really, they're going to need it. They need it. So that's how the drugs affect it. Now, when scheduling a diabetic patient, you want to make sure to schedule it early. Early in the morning, but you want to make sure they eat breakfast. So in between meals. Morning's better, but after breakfast. You don't want them having any reactions in dental chair. Uh... Just in case they do have a reaction, you want to have rapidly absorbed sugar uh, readily available. And this can be in the form of glucose gel. And that's not a gel cell that you go to. It's gel, G-E-L. You know, the gel. So, another helpful tip to keep them from having... Any kind of reaction is that stress reduction. You really want to make them comfortable. Want to make them reduce their stress so they don't increase their cortisol levels. And everybody will be happy. You want to keep them consistent with their weight loss goals and their regular exercise. Little fun fact, especially with type 2 diabetes mellitus, the exercise actually increases the sensitivity to the cells to insulin. So the cells are more sensitive to insulin when exercise is induced. And that's a good thing because you want more, you get bigger bang for your buck. That's basically what's happening. Pancreas is working so hard to produce that insulin in type 2. Because remember, type 1 doesn't produce insulin at all. But type 2 is producing a little bit. 
just working overtime, working real hard. And when you exercise, the cells are more sensitive to the insulin. So you're like getting two for a dollar kind of thing. Doubles it. Fact check. I don't know if it actually doubles it, but it's the idea. It's the idea. All right. So then you have uh, meals. You got to make sure that they space them out evenly. You want to do one to two snacks in between your meals. Just keep your glucose levels up. And, you know, you want to do a little bit more nutritional counseling with this one. Because if they're snacking on some unhealthy snacks in between them meals, that's not going to be good. They want to make sure they're eating healthy. They want to have a diet rich in complex carbohydrates and fibers. So you really want to stress those complex carbohydrates and those fibers. This uh, this kind of diet prevents the immediate absorption of glucose in the blood. So that really helps with the reactions. And any kind of food with high levels of glucose, it's not really advised because you're you're just the body with the diabetes that they just love the glucose. They're just gonna really try to absorb all that glucose they can, and that's gonna that's gonna cause a reaction. And we'll get into that a little bit a little bit more. The hypoglycemia and the hyperglycemia. So. Another thing that you might want to consider with them diabetes is the home fluoride, getting them more fluoride since their xerostomia is present. Most likely you want to check that. But if their xerostomia is causing them caries to develop, you want to make sure to get more of that fluoride in their system and also the xerostomic protocol so that salivary substitutes, those things like that. It's going to be real good. Now, we're going to talk about hyperglycemia first because hyperglycemia, this one is the most common symptom in diabetes. So, hyperglycemia is a high blood sugar, not enough insulin. Not enough insulin, high blood sugar. This is why it can happen in both type 1 type 2. Type 1, you don't ever get any insulin. And type 2, pancreas is not producing enough. Still producing some, but not enough. And with your high blood sugar high glucose levels that's going to be a lot so when you're taking your tests when when the diabetic's taking their blood tests not not your blood test you're going to have greater than 130 milligrams per dl uh when you're fasting not eating or that that uh blood test is going to be 180 milligrams over the DL. I'm not sure what the DL means. I'm just going to say DL, diliter, something like that, uh, after the meal. So, you want to make sure 
the normal, remember, normal is between 70 to 125 milligrams. With hyperglycemia, it's greater than 130 milligrams if they are not eating. And if they have eaten, it's going to be 180 milligrams. That's too much. Too high blood sugar, not enough insulin to bring that blood sugar back down. Now, you can have diabetic ketoacidosis with that hyperglycemia. That's a side effect. You build ketones in the blood, resulting in decreased blood pH levels. So, the body cannot break down glucose because of the lack of insulin. So, you're going to have too much glucose, not enough insulin. Now, it also breaks down fat to provide energy, which lead to ketones. So, remember, diabetic ketoacidosis is too many ketones in the blood, decreasing the blood pH levels. So, when you're eating a lot of high fats, that fat breaks down, makes more ketones, more ketones in the blood, Decreases blood pH levels. The insulin is supposed to do the job of breaking down that glucose and not letting it convert into ketones. But with this diabetes, it's real, real rough. It's not good. Not good. Not good at all. Now, hyperglycemia in diabetics. They can have about four to five causes. The main ones are going to be skipping medication. Do not skip your medication. You're going to have hyperglycemia, which can also lead to a diabetic coma, which we will talk about next. Sometimes consuming too many carbohydrates or sugar. Now, we want complex carbohydrates, not those uh, unhealthy carbohydrates. But we also don't want too many, you know, got to be in a right, good, happy medium there. And no sugar. We don't want to eat sugar when diabetic because that can lead to hyperglycemia. Too much sugar. And that insulin is not producing enough to break down that sugar. So it's going to cause hyperglycemia. The other two, well, there's three, but one, all right. The other two is infections and stress. This is why stress reduction is so important in the dental chair. Stress can cause hyperglycemia in a diabetic patient. That can lead to diabetic coma, which we'll get there. And then the infections. That can happen. All right, so... The four main causes of hyperglycemia is skipping your medication, consuming too many carbohydrates and sugar, infections, and stress. Now, signs and symptoms of hyperglycemia, they're going to occur more slowly. So make sure to notice these few little Key facts. Uh, the patient can sometimes get confused. They get a little uh, fuzzy there in the brain. There. 
Don't make me know where they are. Don't make me know what they're doing. Don't make me know what they just said. They're confused individuals. They can also have that fruity breath, which is something we will be able to tell while we're cleaning their teeth. We're talking to them. We can smell their breath. And we say, hey, that smells fruity. And they say, I ain't eating no fruit today. And you say, hey, you sure y'all right? They need to go bathroom because they get that increased urination. Do you need to have drink water because they get that increased thirst? And they can also have the flushed skin. Look a little nauseous. Look like they might faint a little bit. They get a little drowsy. So they look a little tired. Uh, they can also have fever. And now, now these days, the COVID all around, they can, uh, Take that temperature right quick. See if you got fever. And you won't be dismissed now because that's, that's a different thing. But can also have shortness of breath. They have deep, rapid breathing. Check their heart rate. Check their respirations. If they're breathing real fast, that ain't good. Uh, so let's go over through them one more time. I got that hyperglycemia. Hyperglycemia, most common symptom of diabetics. That's going to be your increased thirst, frequent urination, weight loss, exhaustion, blurred vision, and migraines. That's a little picture we have there. says that. But there's also some others. You didn't cover over again. Confusion, fruity breath, dehydration, which causes the increased thirst, flush skin, fever, fatigue or drowsiness, shortness of breath, deep rapid breathing. Now, when this happens, you want to give them fluids, give, give them that water that they're wanting, Keep them warm, even though they got fever, they feel like they are warm. You want them to keep warm so that blood continues to flow because they got thick blood vessels already. And you want to call them EMS. Call, call them. If they're not stable, if they're not doing well, you want to call the EMS because you know why? It could lead to a diabetic coma. And diabetic coma is life-threatening, y'all. It is a complication that causes unconsciousness. They're going to be unconscious if you don't treat it. And if you do not call EMS when you see those hyperglycemia signs and symptoms and they go into a diabetic coma and you don't treat it and get permanent brain damage and they can die. They will die right quick in your chair. You don't want that. Now, you can have... Both extremes, hypoglycemia, which we will talk about next, and the hyperglycemia. Two of these highs and lows can cause the diabetic coma. Let's see, the board review, they, they lump the diabetic coma a little bit in with the hyperglycemia, so I don't know if that's something they wanna, they want you to know. It's more, maybe more common in the hyperglycemia. But, uh, in my notes from the textbook, from class, it, it says it's a different thing. But, um, 
What happens if you don't know if the patient's blood glucose level is too high or too low? Well, they you better give them glucose just in case. There's no danger of having too much glucose as long as they've taken their insulin medication. Now, hypoglycemia. Hypoglycemia can also be very serious. This is going to be low blood sugar levels, blood glucose levels. Hypoglycemia. Glycemia is like glucose in the blood. Hypo is low. And this going to be less than 70 milligrams per dl. So, remember, our normal plasma glucose level is going to be 70 to 125 before a meal. Hypoglycemia is going to be less than 70 milligrams per dl. And then that hyperglycemia is going to be 130 uh, or over. Or if they have a meal, it's going to be 180 or over. So the hyperglycemia is really, really high. Hypoglycemia is really, really low. Now remember, glucose is what fuels the brain. It's the primary fuel for the brain. So it, it, the brain is entirely fueled by glucose. Now, the most common side effect of hypoglycemia is your insulin shock. Its most common adverse event is caused by skipping meals. So, you know, you take a medica- medication, you don't eat, then that insulin did not have any of that glucose to break down into sugars or into anything else. So, uh, you have that... Too much insulin. And that's shocking. Shocking to have too much insulin. You'll have hypoglycemia. Um, you gotta eat. Eat with your insulin. And have you have you a meal and your insulin on the side. Now, you don't want too much insulin. Because that can also cause an insulin shock. Or hypoglycemia. You, you don't want too much. Get the right amount. The right amount, eat your meal, eat your insulin, inject it, and chill out, you know, relax. Emotional factors that can cause hypoglycemia just as right quickly as it can cause hyperglycemia. And you want to make sure, you know, you got that alcohol problem under control. You want to make sure you're not drinking too much. And, you know, you want to make sure to exercise, but not like crazy. Don't be one of those bodybuilders. Don't be one of those, like, marathon runners, unless your body used to it and you got well-controlled. You know, diabetes is really, really good. But that can cause your meals and your glucose levels to burn off faster so you have your insulin is still too much, too much insulin and low blood sugar because you're working out so freaking hard. 
burning off all that glucose before the insulin can eat it up. Gotta go chill out, you know, still exercise. But remember, you know, exercise makes the cells more sensitive to insulin. So it's like a bigger bang for your buck when you're freaking out on the treadmill or the weights, you know. Like, King Kong, you're going to want to burn off more glucose than the insulin can take. So then you're going to have hypoglycemia. All right? Makes sense when you put it all together. Put it all together in your head like that. Now, what are you going to see when somebody is diabetic and they got too much insulin? And, and, uh, low blood glucose levels. The hypoglycemia. Too much insulin, low blue, blue, blood glucose. Ugh. But, what are you gonna see? You gonna see. Dizzy. Now we gonna check these with that. Hyperglycemia. They not, hyperglycemia not dizzy. Hypoglycemia. They gonna be dizzy. They're not gonna be seeing right. They have blurred vision. That's gonna be the same as hyperglycemia. They gonna be sweating. Sweating like a bullet. Like they just worked out. Key there. They're gonna have moist, clammy skin. So they're gonna look kinda like that color's coming out of them. And they're sweating and they're clammy. They're going to have a little bit of shakes, shaking, like their their hands are kind of tremoring. You know, like when you're real weak, you don't have enough blood glucose, you need that sugar. It's like when you haven't eaten for days, how do you feel? You feel dizzy, hard to see. You sweat a little bit, feel moist and clammy. You shake, you get a little headache maybe, maybe some lightheadedness. You're irritable because, you know, you need a Snickers bar. You're hungry because you want a Snickers bar. And you're confused. That's the same thing right there. Any kind of any kind of diabetic reaction, you're going to have blur vision and confusion. Hypoglycemia, hyperglycemia. And then with the hypoglycemia, even though you have low blood glucose levels, you're going to have high palpitations. Tachycardia. Now, this does not mean high heart rate. Heart rate stays similar, same as it was. But then palpations are going to be faster. The blood, the heart is working harder. The the stronger pulse, going to be stronger pulse, not a increased amount of beats. Different. Now, really severe conditions, you're going to have your fainting, unconsciousness, seizures, and that's going to lead there to the coma we talked about. And with the management, you want to immediately rise the blood sugar level. So get that glucose tablet ready. Get the glucose gel. You want that? Fruit, juice, candy, or other food that contains sugar. 
Just pour them sugar right on top of them. And I like the song. That's one day when I got hypoglycemia. Pour that sugar on me. Yeah. It, about 10 to 15 minutes it should improve. Allow the patient to rest for one hour. One hour. They take a, they take a little rest. Good one. Good rest. But if they don't improve or they go unconscious, I'll make sure that glucagon is administered about one milligram intramuscularly. And that's a hormone secreted by the pancreas to increase blood glucose levels. And you call them emergency guys. They, they come quick. They'll get there. And, yeah, that's about it. So, we're done with diabetes. We're done.